Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Church, a podcast by All Saints Church Belfast, Uni Church Belfast and St Nicholas Church Belfast. Uh, I'm Peter and I'm going to be one of your hosts uh, today. Um, beside me as another host is Caitlin. Say hello, Caitlin. Hi, guys. Um, you'll all know Caitlin if you've listened before. Um, this week, we are going to be starting a new series. We're going to be interviewing students in our church. So first, we have Marty and Joel. So Marty and Joel, can you introduce yourselves? Tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you study at university. So hi, I'm Marty. Also known as Matthew, which is my real name. Uh, no one knows you as Matthew. N- no, it's true. Um. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so I am 22, turned 23 in March, so still 22. And uh, I am a theology student at Belfast Bible College, final year. Um, and I've been going to uni church in Belfast since probably before COVID, just like COVID times. And Joel, tell us about yourself. Hi there, I'm Joel. That's my real name. Um, <laughs> I'm 20. I go to Queen's, I'm third year at Dumas, um, yeah, that's me. That's brilliant, Sean, where are you from, Joel? Uh, I'm from uh, Lurgan, just outside Lurgan, a wee place called Bleary. Wow, <laughs> the centre of the universe. Pretty much, yeah. Lovely. Um, why did you choose to study what you're studying? Joel, you go first. Um, I sort of didn't know what to do. And then I went to the, the open day at Queen's and they were like, yeah, if you don't want to do, do maths. And I was like, I may as well. Um, I like numbers at all as well. So, <laughs> What's your favourite number? Ooh. That's a great question, That's Marty. That's a really good I, I, I definitely know mine. I'm sure Caitlin knows hers. Mm. You know, I've never really thought about this before, Martin. Yeah. Uh, some very nice numbers. There's some There's some holy numbers mm. you can pick from? There's some holy numbers. There's some terrific numbers. Um, I love... 45. Oh, that's an awful number. Joel, what, what, tell us why 45. Uh, it just sort of popped into my head when he said that, but the number I say would be my favourite would be 37. That isn't the most I, I know why it's 37, number. but Joel, can you explain why 37 is your favourite number? Um, so there's a certain uh, former Liverpool player, um, big bald head, <laughs> always had a bandage on, um, and uh, I model my game after him. Um, so Martin Skirtle, that one's for you. Hope he's listening. If you're <laughs> listening, Martin Skirtle, please drop a drop us a wee message. <laughs> drop us a rating. And Marty, uh, why did you choose to study theology? Uh, because pretty much, I couldn't myself, see myself doing anything else. To be honest, um, I was doing air levels and tech, and I was just like I hate most of my subjects <laughs> except RE, so I should probably <laughs> do theology. And I read too many. Well, I start to read too many theology books, never finish. So I was like, well, if I can do that, I can maybe do a degree in it. Do you have a favorite <laughs> theologian? Oh, oh, that's oh, that's a good question. Um, and the, the question was favorite theologian, so not, not favorite ra- writer. So not writer. Mm. Oh, I would say I owe <laughs> most of my theology to this is not not to sound very like theological, but probably Saint Augustine of Hippo, because I mean, if you're a reformed young man like myself. Uh, <laughs> 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 like, uh, like if you like if the common answer is just Calvin because you know you know, reformed uh, or Luther, but like all those guys would be nothing if it wasn't for Augustine. Uh, and I have his confessions, really good read by the way, mm-hmm. recommend it. Uh, so definitely Augustine because if there's no Augustine, there'd be no Calvin or Luther. And a lot of people go to university and think, um, 
uh, they've maybe wasted their time doing a degree that doesn't teach them much. What's the most practically useful thing you've learned in your degree? Both are very confused. Practical, uh, like exegesis is pretty useful if you're involved in any kind of church work. So, like for example, I, you know, help out with youth. I do talks occasionally, and like being able to like take a passage, deconstruct it, like what the meaning is, the purpose, and then you know delivering it to a modern audience. That's exegesis. You know, preach the text, not you know, taking the text and making it to something else. So that's pretty useful. And if a Bible college, I mean, that's what's there to do. Indeed, it's very practically useful. Yeah, Joe, have you yeah. learned anything practically useful from that? Nothing springs to mind, but Pete, as a former math student yourself, would you say you learned anything no. practically useful? Nothing at all, Joel, to be honest. <laughs> no, we're far too intellectual for practical use. Yeah, to be honest, it's all up in the sky. Mm. I learned how powers. Google works. Mm. Really? That was my final project in, in the final year. Wow. Wrote a wee paper on it. I couldn't tell you, but I wrote a paper on it. <laughs> So yeah, boys, um, I have a few questions for you now. Well, we have a few questions. Isn't that right, Caitlin, my, uh-huh. my co-host? Um, <laughs> me and Caitlin have a few questions for you. Caitlin and I. Caitlin and I. Caitlin and yeah. I. There's some grammar for any of these people who are interested in grammar. <laughs> um, and I think you, you sort of full of big ideas, anyone who knows you. But if you had a billboard out in, say, Shaftesbury Square, mm. it's given to you for a whole month, what do you put on it? We're going to put your imaginary silly hat on. Okay, your which gu- is very, very old. Your guff hat, <laughs> as we call it. What would you put on the billboard? You could put uh, you could put someone's face up. Um, a memorable moment from harking your mind back to summer 2015. Dreadbridge um, Cricket Ground. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart Bo- Broad has the ball in his hand and he, uh, he rips through Australia's... Um, Battle line up to take eight for fifteen before lunch. Um, all out for sixty. And as as David Bumble Lloyd once said, it's tumbling all over the place. Um, and I'm doing the celebration he's doing, but obviously you can't see because it's a, a real podcast. shame. It's really good. so. If we could get this video going, Caitlin, maybe soon. Yeah, yeah, that's in the works. Yeah. So if you donate Peter. us, we'll get a budget for a camera. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Can't think of anything better. <laughs> so, um, Marty and Joel. I know you are both prolific readers, mm. and we've quite a wee community here at Unity Church on Goodreads. Join on if you haven't. Shout um, out to Goodreads. It's like, like our a, reviews, and we like yours. It's like a social <laughs> we'll judge media. Your read lists. It's like a social media, but for books. Yeah, that's pretty um, It's pretty nerdy, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, I get made fun of for my reviews, so. Well, if you use the word cantagras, I think you deserve it. <laughs> 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 I was quoting somebody else, so that's okay. But I know you are both big readers. And here's a question for you. If you had to recommend three books to people who are listening to this podcast to read, which have had an impact on you, what would you recommend them? It's a good question, Pete. Well, I go first? I would love it if you went first. So maybe. I'll go in the order I read these, I think. That'd well, be a good order. So when I was a teenager, a young, a young lad, young Marty, uh, probably about 14, 15 so just like secondary school you know you know at that age you're feeling a bit edgy you're going to doubt everything and question everything uh, I would have doubted I would have serious doubts about Christianity about three particular things it was um, what were they oh science and religion like you know does the bible contradict science is it just irrational um, the idea of hell okay uh, mm-hmm. like how is 
God just for sympathy hell. Like I have an explicit example where I was like 13 or 14 and I'm getting like upset, like actually like like tearing, like crying because the thought of my like, like I'm playing Halo with my like friends or something or FPS. I'm like, well, they're not saved and like they're going to go to hell and like burn to a crisp. Like that's the idea I have in my head. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, at that point I was in a reader so I just Googled just like, you know, what people's texts were. And I came across this guy, you may have heard of him, called Tim Keller. I have, indeed. Yeah, so had, there was this video, or it wasn't a video, it was just a sermon. Like, it was, like, I was, like a 14-year-old just listened to an audio of a 40 minutes of sermon. That's pretty boring. That's how sad I was as a teen, and still am. Um, <laughs> he, it was a sermon on the rich man and Lazarus, and not to spoil it, but I'm sure it's online somewhere. It was very good, but pretty much, like Keller said, you know, the idea of we have hell is not biblical or true. You know, the, the picture we have is very, like, medieval and very, like, cartoonish and not actually accurate. However, it's probably much worse than we think. Uh, I'll just dangle that out there. Uh, have a listen to it or read it. I'm sure he's sure stuck on it and as well. But in the, also, he was... He, his book, Reason for God, um, really helped with the whole science thing. Um, you know, if you have an issue, just read it. I'm not going to do it. Like, he can do much better than I can. Um, so yeah, the two books, so like his book, Reason for God and Prodigal God, um, you know, the prodigal son story, it's like a different angle, which explains the gospel in a different angle, but also quite captivating. So those books by Keller, that's the first one. Secondly, um, there's a book by Kevin DeYoung called Just Do Something. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm laughing because Marty no, talks no, about this all the time. It's a great book. Now, to be fair, I think there's like I wouldn't agree with everything it says theoretically. Mm-hmm. Now there is some things without clarification. Messy, rogue, but I'll get into that. Um, but pretty much, it's a book about biblical wisdom. Now I don't know about you, but if you're a Christian, I'm sure you've someone's asked you, "What, what are you going to do this? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that?" And the you know, people are often crippled by indecision or like, oh, I don't know if it's God's will for my life. And I'm sure, like everyone's heard that. There's articles and articles about that. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Dunn's just like, biblical wisdom isn't like, oh, I've got a decision. I'm going to like absolutely have a mental break and just pray and pray and hopefully God shows me like a big sign. And he's like, that's not how God works. Wisdom mm-hmm. is, has been so much in God's word and to know his, like just to be so saturated in like the spirit that when you get an opportunity to make a decision, you just know the right decision because you're full of like, that's, that's what wisdom is. And the last book, third one, uh, probably my favorite book of all time. So that's quite, well, after the Bible, of course. Um, <laughs> Good save. It, yeah, yeah. It's a book by a man, uh, an old saint uh, called Horatius Bonner. Uh, he was a 19th century churchman from Scotland. And the book is called The Everlasting Righteousness. Yeah, sounds riveting. Um, but the book is just simply like an explanation of like, how you're made right with God, but also like explaining that. So like, you know, Jesus' death on the cross, like how big word penal substitution works, how the resurrection works. Like obviously we all, we all know the gospel story, but like how does it work practically? Like for you and like how do you understand it? And I think the thing I think that makes him like not revolutionary, but like just so good and necessary, I think, for the church is the fact that he just needs he completely hits the needle on the head when it comes to assurance. So I'm sure, like, I know myself, and I'm sure many people have struggled with assurance. Like, you know, I've sinned this way. Like, everyone knows how much they're a sinner because, like, no one knows their own sinfulness like ourselves. And I've talked to many people who are just like, and I know I said this to myself, 
oh, I don't know if I'm safe because I sit in like this and I feel awful and I don't know if mm. I'm really safe because of the way I feel. And Bonner just says, cut that out, that's really stupid <laughs> because your feelings don't really matter because end of the day, you're not saved by your feelings or the, or even the strength of your faith. Like you could have the weakest, brittlest faith in the whole church. It doesn't matter. Like if you're trusting in Jesus, that's all that matters. And I was just like, flip, that's radical. Mm. I mean, that's just facing by faith alone, which I get the Reformation. That's what we believe. So if any book of the three, well, if whatever problem you have, whether it's faith, like the science or like assurance or, you know, understand the gospel better, one of those books will help you big time. Yeah, it's excellent stuff, isn't it, Marty? Um, yeah. Don Carson has a great clip. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Very good clip. I think I might have, not sure. About the Passover. Mm. If you Google, if you YouTube Don Carson, Assurance of Faith, nice wee, uh, nice wee analogy. Um, a similar analogy to the Passover. Warms the heart. It's it's pretty wonderful to see the reality of the gospel and the reality of if Christ is for us, it doesn't matter how we feel. So yeah, Marty, that was, that was very helpful. And Joel, if you had three books that you would recommend to people, what would you recommend? Um, so I'm, I'm going to cheat a wee bit. So well, well I, Marty cheated too. Marty gave us a sermon and four books. Yeah. <laughs> for three books, there's three. Oh, you give four, you give two, Tim Keller ones. Oh, it did, never mind. So <laughs> I'm going to give, I'm going to cut it as one book, but it's a, it's a series of books. Okay. Um, it's called 2,000 Years of Christ's Power. Mm-hmm. I've read them over the past year. Um, it's just a, it's a church history series of books that deals with, well, the first book deals with sort of the, the church fathers, first the sort of 7th century, second book deals with uh, the medieval church, um, probably about the 8th to the 14th centuries, and then the third book deals with the 15th century, um, the Reformation era, um, and then the fourth book deals with sort of 16th, 17th centuries, you know, the, the post-Reformation era and um, how the gospel continued through all of them. Uh, it was a real reminder, like, I feel like at times we feel disconnected from, or we think we're disconnected from the, the saints of old, Christians have gone before us. Um, but it was a really great reminder of, you know, we're still believing the truths that were believed in the first century, the fourth century, the seventh, the whatever century um, you want, these truths were um, believed and they were talked about and thought about. Um, so we are connected in a lot more ways than we think to those who have gone before us. Indeed, and they had the same questions we had. And they have the same questions we had and they probably answer them better um, than we do because they didn't have phones. <laughs> so they spent more time. They spent more time in the world. They also didn't have cricket, so they spent more time uh, <laughs> indeed, indeed. writing and uh, such. So so that's four books. Um, I have them, if anyone wants to read them. Uh, come chat to me. Uh, and then second, <laughs> second book would be a book called a guy, Michael Horton. It's called Ordinary. Okay. Uh, so he wrote the book on the premise that uh, a lot of times we think that to be doing the right thing uh, in, in a gospel way it has to be the most uh, exuberant out there we have to go we have to 
give up our lives to be go to Wagadougou and uh, get murdered. Um, it's the capital of Burkina Faso, isn't it, Joe? It is. Uh, and it basically deals with, yes, some people are, are called to do that, are called to give their lives to the gospel, but an ordinary life uh, is just as important. An ordinary life as a Christian. Um, you know, relying on the, the ordinary means of grace, which are uh, the word and, and sacrament. Um, yeah, that's coming to church, hearing the Bible preached, hearing read, preached, and read um, and then baptism the sacrament. and the Lord's Supper. And, and baptism, as Peter said, uh, those are the things that actually matter. Um, you know, there's no level of Christian if you're uh, going and getting yourself killed or you're going and doing something mad or you're selling all you have and do whatever it doesn't make you some top dog or whatever um so it really just sort of understands that the gospel just sort of is enough um regardless of what you're called to do if you're called to work all day um every day if you're called to not work at all if you're called to look after your kids if you're called to mission work whatever um each and every one of us have the same gospel um so that is a, a real reminder of the ordinary, ordinariness of the gospel and of the Christian life, but the extraordinariness within that. Um, and then the third book is by a guy called John Owen. Um, it's called The Mortification of Sin. Uh, I read it about this time last year. Um, and it's a really stark reminder of what sin actually is. Um, he deals with in Romans 8, uh, you know, mortify the, the sins of the flesh. Um, so it, it 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 reminded me of how rampant sin is in our lives, how uh, sinful sin is um, Indeed. against the holy God. But the the best thing about that book is the last chapter. It just sort of sums up. You're just he sort of like beats down on sin, and you're sort of getting feeling beat up by the time you get to the last chapter, and then he he just explains the gospel in a really 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 nice way. Um, the very last and it just all comes together like we don't kill sin we don't mortify sin as he says uh to do, and then come to the gospel we mortify sin by the gospel through the gospel um a reminder of the gospel um so yeah three books that i would recommend that that last chapter is pure gold isn't it yeah proper gold yeah. like little golden nuggets indeed <laughs> indeed um yes it's, it's also it's free online as well free online but i have it um you can buy it in like bookshops. I have a copy of it too. For like four quid. It's a wee Puritan paperback series. Um, even Juggle Bookshop's a good spot. Even Juggle Bookshop. ICM, Dunkirk Road, Blairy. Um, <laughs> Great place. Shout out to Mervyn. That one's for you, Mervyn. <laughs> <laughs> and Caitlin, just because you're, you're here and mm. I know you're a big reader. Yeah. Give us a book or two. These boys have given us. Okay. Marty, give us four books and a sermon. Joel, give us <laughs> I'll six try books. Keep it more brief. Um, if I had to recommend one book that I've read recently, um, it would be The Glory of Grace. It's like an edited book. It's really easy to read, super accessible. It is like a collection. So I really wanted to get more into reading the Puritans. Um, but um, sometimes Caitlin, if people don't know, who are the Puritans? They're just Christians from a long time ago. Indeed. Um, Pretty good yeah. guys. So, and they wrote loads of really great stuff. Um, but it can feel kind of inaccessible, I think. And it can be a little bit like nerve wracking if like you want to start reading them, but you don't know where to start. 
Um, so Chester um, basically draws together um, this collection and it's basically like a mini series, like the best bits of loads of the different Puritan writers. So John Owen's in it. Um, there's loads of different ones. So I would really recommend it. I think it makes the Puritans really accessible and it's just lots of really good theology, but really, really easy to read. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds a really good book. Those are some really good recommendations. I'm sure if you want to ask these people at church, they would tell you more about them. Please do. Um, so, fellas, you're both in university. Marty, you're in, in BBC studying theology. Joel, you're in Queen's studying maths. So, for a lot of people, university is a bit of a make or break time. It's a time where people come and are strengthened in their faith. Or it can be a time where a lot of people can feel really discouraged and even people who have confessed faith growing up uh, might abandon it um, and by the end of university might not be walking with the Lord. So you boys are both active members of church. You have stuck at it and Christ has held you fast. But what kind of things have you done to, to, to stay encouraged, to stay strengthened in your faith while at university? Well, yeah, that's been really important, especially, I think, well, I think for many of us, the last few years have been a very odd university experience. Like, university can be, you know, it's hard enough transferring from your home context to complete independence, but added the whole, you know, the isolation of COVID and, you know, it's it would be easy enough to go from home and church to uni to a new city and kind of just drift off. Even much more easier, I think, with COVID and like isolations. So I think the proclivity to kind of just slip off from the, like slide at the back door of church was so easy uh, for us or for people at, at our stage. That being said, um, I think like I've seen many Christians or people within the church who have, you know, been active church members, they go to uni and they go everywhere else. Like, I mean, that's nothing new. Um, ask them to come back, which is a testament to God's grace, and, you know, and, and his covenant, the thing of breaks. That being said, it doesn't always happen. And, you know, people do leave the faith and that is heartbreaking. But I think the thing that really makes or breaks that, like why that happens for a lot of people is, you know, are they rooted in a local church or a church in Belfast and maybe accountable to like Christian peers and friends mm. because if you go to Belfast and you're hanging about with non-Christians uh, exclusively and you don't go to a church in Belfast if, if you're up here all the time and you're not going home you're you're practically living in isolation you know what I mean and you like Christians can't live alone you're you're a zebra away from the rest of the zebras aren't you yeah and, and there's safety in numbers and, sometimes in their money. Satan is described as a roaring lion, and lions like zebras. <laughs> they do. So you're going to eat not pretty good, like your hot dinner on a, you know, so you need to make a move or you're going to get, you know, eaten. Um, so I would say, like, uni church is so beneficial and because it, you know, it grounds Christians in its local context and equips them and grows them. You know, maybe there's like people who are discipled and they meet friends and they're encouraged. Like, not only are they maintaining their faith, but they're grown. And I think if you don't have that while at uni, you know, the world is tempting. So, I don't know if that answered your question, but... I'm not sure it did either, Marty, but it was... It was was good stuff, anyway. What was your question? (laughs) How have you... How have I... (laughs) ensured that you've been going in your faith, that you haven't been... Yeah, things I have done to encourage my faith while at uni is that... That I don't stop serving Mm. in the church. So, like, the church is not a 
the church is a heavenly body, but it's also an earthly body. Like the church is everywhere. Like we're, you know, like, you know, I, people have their home churches back where they're from, but also I don't think that means when you're in Belfast, you're like, oh, well, I'm in uni. The church doesn't apply to me anymore. I'm like, no, the church is everywhere. Like it's in every, like in the Northern Ireland, there's a church in every street. Yeah. And if you're not plugged into a local church and serving the local area you're in, what are you doing? Like, kind of wasting your time. Like, I mean, I was like, what's the point? Like, be honest, like, I love my degree, but like, I enjoy, most of the uni stuff I enjoy is the Christian people and the things I do around uni, more so than that degree. Now, I mean, it's just me, but I think as a Christian, if you go to uni and you don't get plugged in and serve in a Christian ministry within, you know, where you're at, I think you've really wasted your time to a big degree. Honestly, maybe a bit harsh, but yeah, yeah. But you've been like given this like gift of a new area with all these people, these new friends, and if you're not sort of stuck in, then as you said, it can be a bit of a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're paying money for it, like. <laughs> yeah, and and just as a past student myself, and and all of us as a, as students in the last few years, um, I know that any time that I've talked to anyone who has decided, right, I'm gonna go and and serve the Lord in a context and maybe sacrificially in a way that makes them really uncomfortable. I've never heard a single person regret it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And Joel, what have you done to strengthen your faith since being at uni? Well, I think just um, surrounding myself with the gospel, sort of, uh, whether that be at church, um, as Marty sort of alluded to, we are in desperate need of the church. Um, I spoke about it there when I was talking about them books. Um, we need the word preached over us. Mm. Uh, the gospel preached to us. Um, you know, there's a reason why we have church. Uh, mm. It's not to meet together and have tea and coffee before and after. Um, it's to hear God's word preached. It's to pray corporately. Um, because of the grace that has been given us. It's to be reminded of the gospel. Um, so that there basically uh getting plugged into for, for me it was it was uni church and, and all saints um for anyone it could be you know whatever church whatever gospel preaching church um they're involved with and um, i've also you know outside of um the immediate church contacts just surrounded myself with christian friends um pete you're one of them thank you joel uh, so you know there's six of us in the house um and they've been a real blessing to me. Uh, and then just getting involved in uh, a Christian union. Uh, do a lot of the, the evangelism work. Um, you know, you're sort of thrown out in the deep end. There, you're... We've done a... Caitlin's done it and, and Pete's done it um, with me. Uh, like a, a sort of nightclub ministry. And you're just sort of thrown in the deep end. But it really gives you an understanding of the gospel. Yeah. Um, you know, you're... You're trying to preach the gospel to those you come across, and it reminds you of it as well. Um, it also shows you, you know, how sinful people are and how sinful we are, um, and it just gives you a real understanding of the grace that God has given us in in our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so, really, just surrounding myself with the gospel mm. uh, has been the reason the Lord has kept me um, when I've come to uni. A lot of people who come to uni, um, they kind of talk about this, you know, Christian bubble, um, especially in Belfast. What would you guys have to say to people who maybe feel like they are in that, who maybe feel like they 
like is that a bad thing is Christian football a bad thing exclusively or is can it be both a good and a bad thing like I think there's nothing wrong with your closest friends being Christians because naturally you're going to be attracted and gravitated towards people with you have things in common with yeah and if someone's a Christian you have infinite commonality because the fact is you're going to be with them forever so that's 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 a big commonality and if you don't get on it's gonna be a long eternity so (laughs) be friends um but i think so so a christian bubble can use that term um can be good because it keeps you accountable and you know there's people you you feel a familial connection with that being said obviously you know if the people you hang about are only christians you know then like well we're the great commission like we just aren't christians for ourselves or you know we have a job to do we have to go and reach the nations which includes you know everyone uh and so we must break that bubble sometimes insofar as you know we've like for the kingdom but i think i, I don't think that's necessarily i mean it can be hard to make new close friends because like I mean, m- making close friendships takes time but that being said, I think there's ways which you can make connections with people who aren't from a Christian background. I mean, people, if you're studying a degree, I'm sure there's people you could be like, hey, do you want to grab coffee after class? You build a connection with them. Um, if you're working, you've got colleagues. Like, now I'm an extrovert, it's right, easy for me to say, just talk to people. Uh, but I feel like, you know, we're all, we've all survived school, we've all survived social, you know, interaction. If you just make a bit of effort with people, you know, I think and be, be intentional. You know, someone will pay the favor, and you might, you know, become friendly with someone, and then you know, fill the relationship. You invite them to the church, which is like really good. I mean, uni church. I mean, there's countless people I've spoke to who have became Christians because their Christian friend nagged them for ages, just come to church, and they did, and they're like, well, they got saved. Uh, so like, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, as they go. <laughs> so like, you don't have to like make a non-Christian friend and like evangelize them every single day like you know, just become a Christian today like just yeah. be a friend uh, yeah. if you can so I hope that answers your question yeah, yeah. Joel do you have anything to add? Uh, no I just sort of agree um, <laughs> as I've said surround yourself with Christian friends is a real blessing um, and I think at times we like can tend to over overestimate how much we actually are in a Christian bubble. Um, like, I, my, all my close friends are Christians. Um, but when I go to class, like, there's fellas around me who I spend yeah. a lot of time with in class. I don't know about other people, but, uh, you know, there's there's people there to, to speak to. Um, yeah. I have a few friends who I go to class with. Um, you know, if you're involved in anything outside of class, uh, sport or... Mm-hmm. Whatever people do, um, <laughs> tap dancing or whatever, uh, <laughs> you know, there's there are people there. Um, so I think like a real strong base of uh, a Christian life is the fellowship of Christian friends. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it, it can have its downfalls, as Marty's already said. But uh, yeah, go and make Christian friends, and then go and make non-Christian friends, and then share the gospel. Yeah, amazing. So go and make friends, Angel. <laughs> if you can. Yeah. <laughs> if you're likable, yeah. Some people struggle. <laughs> um, and boys, talking about that and being in a Christian bubble, have you found since being at university that you've 
um, struggle to stand up to, for your faith at times, maybe in, in the face of, I know, just someone making fun of you, someone not taking you seriously. Do you think that's something you've experienced and how have you coped with it, if it is? You know, I've experienced, you know, obviously the world. I mean, when, when you do any form of mission, you're going to see, you know, people's unfiltered opinions. Mm. They, so they were like, oh, I'm just indifferent to Christianity. Like I remember knocking on doors uh, like in the Hoylands and you get some really fun reactions. Good conversations, actually. Um, I think coping with it and like accepting it is far easier to do when you're, you know, talking to someone you actually don't know. If you're yeah. just going up to some like random dolly and, you know, like at any sort of thing you're doing, say your outreach work with church or with the, the CU, you know, you go knocking on a door, you don't know the fella or the girl opening mm-hmm. and, you know, there's no like already base of like a friendship or knowing them. So you just, you know, you don't really care what you say, but I think it's far um, harder to do with your, with your mates. You know, you could be sitting um, with anyone who's not a Christian and, and you actually know them. And they say something, and you could very easily, you know, use that as a springboard to talk about the gospel. But sometimes you let it slide, just because you're you seem a lot more comfortable with them, and you slip into like a a more nominal, not not, but like sort of a passive passive attitude. Um, So I think because you don't know the people far easier to go in and, and talk to them or call out their sin or call out their need for Christ. Um, because at the end of the day, like, if they hit you, you know, you're not going to be like, oh, no, that fella, that knocked the door, he hates me. But, you know, you're a wee bit more worried if it's your friend, you know, you're yeah. that, it's that kind of worldly thinking. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what I find as I've... Um, been involved in things and had that happen Mm. yeah and I suppose when we remind ourselves of our inheritance in Christ and what we have in him and how it's the most costly and glorious thing in all of the world it makes us able to have those hard conversations yeah like in the grand scheme of things if one of your mates falls out with you because of the gospel like you know it'll obviously you'll be sad because you're mate but then you remember we have you know, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Yeah. Um, you know, we're well... We've got to tell people. Like, we you we have to, you know. Yeah, like it's, t- it's too good not to share. It is too good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just, again, it goes back to the gospel. Mm. Remind yourself of the gospel. Because um, the end of the day, it's worth it. Because um, yeah. we were bought with a price. Um, saved by the Holy Spirit. Um, prepared for good works in Him. To yeah. the glory of His name. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Ephesians 2.10. Can I ask a question? Caitlin, you can ask a question. <laughs> okay. So the staff team are pretty unprepared whenever it comes to breakfast time. So normally before prayer meetings, we're all having our cereal or whatever um, in the kitchen. And the conversation came up one day. If you were a brand of cereal or type of cereal, what type of cereal would you be and why? I th- I'm going to go for, maybe it's a bit biased, but I'm going to say golden nuggets. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm just a wee nugget. <laughs> uh, well, I, I like golden nuggets, and I I, I kind of like myself. I think, um, but also like 
They're quite sweet, and I think I'm a wee bit sweet, maybe. Oh, come on, Marty, that's and I'm, I'm a bit round as well, so I'm, I'm a golden <laughs> nugget. And I th- most... Oh, I'm bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in large amounts, I could be fatal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so most people like me, but too much, maybe you can get sick of me. So I think it's, I think golden nuggets is a fair estimation. Yeah, fair enough, Martin. Yeah. What would you be, Joel? Just, I don't really know. Um, I like Weedabix. No, that's not the question. <laughs> so maybe I'd be a Weedabix. Why would you be a Weedabix then? Is, uh, is the singular of Weedabix Weedabix? It is. Yeah, like a single Weedabix. Like a Weedabix. Weedabix. Skit. They issued a tweet because we had this conversation like a couple months ago. So, yeah. Um, maybe it's a school day, isn't it? I <laughs> would. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, like I would be. Uh, here, I've got it. Right, you know whenever you get a Weedabix and it's like quite firm and hard, mm-hmm. right? And you have a bit of milk and it softens. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, get the know me is oh. the milk. You know, maybe okay. at the start, okay. you maybe agree with Pete, I'd be maybe of a, 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 a steely exterior. A steely exterior, <laughs> you know, people don't really know what's going on inside my head. Um, and then they use the milk of getting the know me and then they realise that... Uh, I'm not as steely. Um, mushy inside. And then suddenly, I'm not mushy inside. And then suddenly you're an everyday thing. And then suddenly That's I'm nice. there. They're thinking about me every morning. And <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Fair. I'm their fuel for the day. No, I'm not. <laughs> Please cut that. <laughs> I, I will. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. This has been Let's Talk Church, and it's goodbye from Caitlin. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Marty. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Joel. Goodbye. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> that was a rough. <laughs> Stop looking at me like that. Just be less Sorry. weird. It's hard for Joel. Sorry.